All right, now we're going to jump into Scripture today. And so we read from Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 18. And this is from the middle of the prodigal son story, which we are thankful to be rejoicing in today. But um, there's a little bit before this. I just, I have to say, I don't normally set these things up. In fact, it really bothers me when pastors do that. So I'm going to do that today uh, because that makes sense. So the prodigal son story happens. Uh, Jesus is telling a story about a brother who takes his inheritance and he leaves and he spends it all in terrible ways. And this is what he says to himself when he realizes he's out of money. He says, I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father, but while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This has been a, this is a tough day for me. Um, people have asked this a lot, and it's amazing when God is insistent what you get to do, but that does not mean that I am in any way, shape, or form excited to not be with you over these next few weeks. Uh, Just on a personal note, I want to say thank you. Uh, You have meant a lot to me, um, and we are so thankful for the ministry that has happened here, and I am so thankful for what Living Waters is going to do in the next few years, but like I said, I got to do a couple calculations, and there are some things that we've done together. In the last uh, four and a half years, we've had two funerals, We've had 37 weddings, including the one that happened last night here. We've had 54 confirmations and 178 kids baptized, which is why there's always a nice dull roar in the sanctuary when you're here. Uh, We are so thankful for that. But the reason we talk about numbers is that numbers represent people, and every story is a life. Every, Every single one is a story, a life, an important moment. And so on behalf of myself and Jen and our kids, we want to say thank you for your thoughts, for your prayers, for those of you who have sent messages and text messages and cards and phone calls and all kinds of different things. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the support and the prayers as, as, as we go. Um, just by way, if this is the first time you've heard this, uh, I accepted a call to St. Mark Lutheran Church in West Des Moines, um, and we will be moving there over the course of this next week. And so your prayers are greatly desired. But the question is this. For us, what's next? And here's what I want you to do. Think about what you saw as you came in. Because the best part about Rally Weekend is what, we, what has been done around us this year. It is a party. And I can only tell you that I'm surprised by this because I didn't have anything to do with it. We just said, hey, what should we do? And all of a sudden, your amazing staff at this church began to throw a huge party to celebrate that we are starting a new year, that kids are starting in new groups, and that we have a chance to get together and do amazing things. But the question is always this, why would we throw a party in a church? Why do we have bounce houses and cotton candy and things like this? And it's only in part as an enticement to get your kids to say they love coming to church. You know, that is, I mean, I'm not going to lie, that's part of it. We are really 
really, really excited that they are having fun here, and we want them to really enjoy showing up. But there are other reasons that we would throw a party in church, and that's what I want to get to here this morning. You see, there's this story about a kid who runs off, he blows his inheritance, and, and he does this while his dad is still alive. You see, you're not supposed to get an inheritance until your dad dies. But the kid says, you know, I would rather have the money now. And so he takes the money, he leaves, he goes to a far-off land, he, he is far away from his family, he spends all his money in wild living, he's not sure what he's supposed to be doing. And he figures out that after all the money is gone, after he acted like uh, a, an NFL player who lost his contract for a couple of weeks, all of a sudden he figures out that he has nothing left. And so he decides to come home. And you can imagine this, if you decided to come home— If you decided to to go back, you would think to yourself, I bet my dad's going to be real mad. And so he begins to practice a speech. We're going to put the beginning of this up on the screen. He begins to practice this speech, and here's what it says. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. Now, I have a dad— He comes to church here sometimes, and so some of you know him. He still scares me, just so you know. If your dad still scares you, my dad still scares— I love him to death, and we're friends, and we have great times together. But if he raises his voice at me, I'm panicking just a little bit at this moment. I would be real scared to give this speech to my dad. I just need to admit that right now and in front of you. And if you have a dad like that, you might feel that way as well. Um, And so you just kind of go through this. You're like— You're like, how am I going to tell you, oh yeah, by the way, you gave me all this cash, but that's gone, and I need you to take care of me, and would you be willing to do it without complaining? But I guess maybe I could be one of the slaves. I guess I could be one of the employees of the farm. We're all, or I'll do anything, just feed me and let me work. And I think there's this reality, we're all a little scared that we might not belong. I think what scares them about this speech is that dad might say, you can't come back. You are not welcome here. I think as we walk into a place like church, a lot of us are maybe more aware than in other places that we might not belong. But we all have things in our past that make us feel like maybe we don't belong. Maybe it's in your family where something's happened and you're not sure how those relationships are going to go. Or maybe um, it's at your job where you're wondering, somebody's, you, you wonder if somebody's going to find something out or discover that maybe you're not qualified. I felt that way a couple times here. They're all going to figure me out. And maybe I'm not going to belong in the moment. But we're all a little scared in different situations of our life. And sometimes church is the place that we feel like maybe, just maybe, we don't belong. We're a little scared about our past and what it might mean for us. And so here's the question. If we're convinced that we don't belong, what could change our minds? Here's what it says in the story. So he set off and went to his father, and while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. I love what the dad does here. He sees the boy coming up the road. He hasn't even gotten to give the speech yet. He sees the boy coming up the road, and he says, I'm going to go see you, and I'm going to tell you how much I love you. I'm going to give you a big kiss and a hug. I'm going to wrap you in my arms, and I'm going to tell you that you matter in this place. The kids should get this, right? I mean, you and I get this. The kids should get this, but the next verse adds this. 
Then the son said to him, wait, wait. Dad kisses him. He hugs him. He says, I'm so, he's like saying, I'm so glad you're here. And, and the boy is doing this. He like takes the dad and he's like, okay, hold on just a minute. I have a speech that I have prepared. And he starts to go, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And you can imagine the dad is going, what is wrong with you? Big hug. Everything's great. Why do you keep giving me this speech? But he goes on. He gives the whole speech. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. This is the point at which, as Jesus is telling the story, the dad stops him. You see, here's the question that I think is so important in this story. How do you tell someone who is convinced they are unlovable that they're loved? How do you tell someone who has decided, they've decided that they don't belong, that they don't belong in the situation, that they are loved? The boy gets a kiss and words of affirmation. He still doesn't get it. So the dad says, there's something that I think I need to do in order to convince this boy that he's loved. Here's what the dad decides to do. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. You see, the dad figures out that the only way he's going to convince the boy that he is loved, that he matters, that he is important in the situation, is to throw a party. And I want you to think about this for a minute. Parties are generally insane, right? Parties don't make any sense. We bring a child who has accomplished the amazing feat of living one year, which children tend to do from time to time. And we give them cake and a party. And they sort of poke at the cake until they discover they can smash it, and then they smash it and cover their whole face with it. This is their accomplishment at their first birthday. And we all celebrate like they have just cracked the code, and it's amazing, and we've done it. Parties, birthday parties don't make any sense because there's not really an accomplishment for growing a year older. Wedding parties don't make any sense either. We have this couple, and they've known each other for a while. And they've been together for an extended period of time. In fact, in our culture, they have this tendency to have even lived together and sometimes had children together. And we get them together on a stage and we sit them and we're like, it's amazing, you're in love. Yeah, we were in love yesterday and we're going to be in love tomorrow. Why did we spend all the money we have to throw a party to say we're in love tonight? So what on earth is a point, the point of a party? You see, parties celebrate relationships. The reason we throw a birthday party for somebody is when we throw them a party, they know that they matter to us. When we spend extravagantly and do extravagant things for each other, we know they matter to us. And they know they, ma they, know they matter to us, and we know we matter to them. The way that we tell each other that we're important, that we're loved, and what we're doing matters is that we throw a party. That's why we throw a party in church, because we want you to know that you belong here, and that if there is anything that could possibly convince you that you don't belong here, we want to stop that right now and tell you, no matter what, this is a place for you. 
this is a place for you. Dad knows if he doesn't throw the party, the kid's never going to get that he forgives him and he loves him and he wants him back and he wants him to be his son once again. There's a guy named Mike Foster who runs an organization called People of the Second Chance. And they wanted people to know this, that they mattered. And so they set up this organization. And the organization does this one thing. They teach people to throw parties. And they say, find people who need to hear that they're loved and throw parties for them. They threw a party for a lady named Ramona. And in order to do that, they begin, they, begin, um, they begin to celebrate her, even though she's not somebody that people have celebrated throughout her life. And what I want you to watch as you see this, we're going to watch about a two-minute video of Ramona's party, is watch the way her face changes as the party begins to sink in for her. greater than I ever expected. I feel so happy, so joyful, so many emotions going on right now that it's going to take me until tomorrow to kind of come down. Here's what I think the point of Jesus' story is. Sometimes it takes a party for someone to know how God feels about him. Jesus is telling this story. And he wants everybody to know how God's going to celebrate when people show up at his doorstep going, I have sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And God's running out and saying, I'm here for you. I love you. I'm with you. Sometimes we need parties to show how God feels about him. That's what the party here today is for. It's for you. We want you to know something unconditionally 
that God is for you. And in order to talk about this, we're using this little, this little hashtag, this little line uh, for Fargo, or on, you saw on your bulletin, for Fargo Moorhead. We're not the only church that's doing this in town either, because we believe that the church should be for others. We believe that God is for you, and through you, God is for other people. God is for you and your neighbors and the neighborhood and people who wonder if they could possibly be loved again. God is looking at us and saying to us once again that I love you and I'm for you. You see, today's party is a celebration, but our hope is this, that the party wouldn't end here. We're all going somewhere. We're all going somewhere. Some of you are going home. You're here just for today, and you won't get a chance to be here again. Some of you have been here a while, and like me, it might be your last chance to be here in a while. Some of you, this is your first weekend. But we want you to know this. We believe that church is a place that should start parties and that they should go. So that's your job. Start the party. Go start the party. Celebrate somebody who needs to be celebrated. Tell them that they are loved. That's what I'm going to be doing. And that's my prayer for you as well. Then when we look back on this 20, 30, 40 years from now, what we'll see is a whole bunch of people who are celebrated, a whole bunch of people who are loved. You've celebrated here in this place in amazing ways. Go into the community and celebrate and rejoice. Because people, you need to know God is for you. And everybody else does too. Can I pray for you one last time? It's harder than I thought. Okay, let's pray. God, you do amazing things. And I give thanks for this community that has grown up in this place and done unbelievable things in your name. And we pray now that you will use us to start the party. That you will let us celebrate who you love. And when we wonder who that is, we simply need to look around and see faces everywhere around us. God, you are good. And we pray that you'll give us the courage to celebrate one another. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Together, God's people said— Amen.